Dawn Willock, welcome to the Inspired By Show. People who end up being fiercely independent and confident, I think most of it comes from probably childhood adversity and then being thrown into the trenches with a mother that wasn't maternal, that she, you know, nowadays we would call her a narcissist in the very classic sense. Hardline feminists get on my nerves. I would really love a good hard debate with one. Uh, I also, I sometimes just think, do they need some good sex? I would like to redefine feminism. So I'd like to redefine feminism, please. Welcome to Inspire By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story and they have stories that they haven't yet told. Not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Dawn Willock, welcome to the Inspired By Show. Chloe Bison, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for traveling all the way to London for our studio so we can do this in person. Which I think is amazing. And although it was a community effort to get me here, I decided many years ago that the tube wasn't for me, uh, but I had two birds to kill while I was here. So I thought I would do it, but it involved about 173 people helping me. <laughs> Nobody can tell me that there aren't friendly people in London because yeah. I clearly needed lots of help today and <laughs> was giving it. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's great to be here. Good. Um, it's interesting, actually, you talk about that because one of the things I do want to talk to you about is the whole asking for help sometimes because I always, I'm like, let's be honest on how we know each other. We've met, I feel like we've crossed circles like quite yeah. a few different times in events or podcasts and we've yeah. kind of like known of each other for a while mm -hmm. and only in the last few months have I really started to get to yeah. know you. And I think, Dawn, you come across as a very confident, outgoing, female and very strong have you always been like that um I, I have um I think like most people who end up being fiercely independent and you know confident it, it I think most of it comes from probably childhood adversity um and I think when you go through trauma and childhood adversity one of two things happen um, and it has a lifelong effect. So I think people either w withdraw and um, and there's no judgment on that because if you're a child and you're going through stuff, like how do you know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think people either withdraw and then as adults that tra translates sort of having massive self-worth issues and all of that and then no wonder when you go down the personal development road it's really hard for you to do like to, to change because it's in your soul or you come out fighting and by the time by the time I was three I was absolutely nobody could tell me anything but the the interesting thing about that is my grandparents, my nan and granddad, filled my cup with so much love in that first three years that, it, that when I, well, they didn't just fill the cup, they spoiled me rotten. Like, I was literally the centre of their universe, <laughs> like <laughs> literally. Um, and it's only then as you are <clears throat> much older and you 
you look at personal development, you look at why, what, where and how. And I think that those first first three years, I actually think I owe those two human beings everything that that gave me that gave me that substance mm. I was worth everything to those human beings and I think in for you to have that in the first three years it I think that's pro- because it's impossible for me to sit here and go oh yes when I was such and such age and this happened and I became a warrior woman and was very good no of course not um and 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 I th- a couple of years ago it was on clubhouse actually couple of years ago I started well why don't I feel self impost um you know imposters in I have no conscious relationship with that and why don't I you know you'll be in we're in similar communities you'll be in communities and and everyone's got like well everybody does feels this sometimes and everybody feels that sometimes and and I go mm. I'm not saying I don't but I don't have much of a conscious mm-hmm acknowledgement of that so I started to deconstruct why and it turns out that I can't take any credit for it whatsoever (laughs) like 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 none (laughs) it was the combination of having the most magnificent mother who could be as magnificent she was she was magnificent, magnificent, whether she was being wonderful or terrible. She was magnificent right across the spectrum and, and having, uh, you know, aunties and grandparents that, that, that literally, particularly my nan and granddad, obviously, who, who just made me their world in those formative years. And I think having that happen to you in the first, couple of years of your life and then being thrown into the trenches with um a mother that wasn't uh maternal that she you know nowadays we would call her a narcissist in the very classic sense I don't think that existed as a mm. phrase before uh albeit she was an incredible woman also she so let's say middle England middle class housewife my mum was not that like she absolutely wasn't. I can remember when I was very young as dad was coming in through the door. So dad was raised very Victorian, <laughs> very Victorian. And so his expectation was that his dinner would be on the table when he came in from work. And she did She did that for many years, but just to make sure that he knew the rules for about six weeks, I can remember I must have only been five. I don't know. My little sister hadn't been born. As he walked in the door, we walked out. So he had to learn how to do. <laughs> and then once he didn't take it for granted, she then spent the next few decades cooking his tea for So I was raised by this woman who was formidable. Mm. Um, and I have to give the credit for any of my uh, p- powerful character. Uh to those circumstances. I, I, I don't think I can take credit for it. Yeah, wow. Such such an incredible upbringing. And I think you're, you're right though. A lot of us have defining moments in our childhood mm-hmm. and we have people that we, there are role models, whether we want them to be or not. Like yeah. we learn behaviors from them. Yeah. And like you said, you've learned a lot of the power, the strength, the, the courage even mm-hmm. to face mm-hmm. a lot. But what I've experienced is a lot of women, when we are 
being courageous, being strong. People see us as only that. And I, I'm the same, like I'm very determined. My book is called Determined and Dangerous. So everyone knows me as determined and always striving and, and strong. But for me, I always think I'm not only that. Have you ever had those moments where, you know, you're not strong and, and people are still thinking, oh, Dawn, she's always, you know, she's always that warrior. She'll always push through. And actually deep down you're going, that's not only who I am so the, that yes all the time constantly for decades obviously <laughs> it's like, um but it's kind of a and it's only as I get older that I reflect upon this differently I think when I was younger I'd probably been in <laughs> to survive my mom <laughs> to, to be just to, to survive being raised by my mom <laughs> um I was uh you know you have flight or fight mm-hmm. I fought. So I think for many decades of my life, I was in fight mode. I didn't know any other way. Um, And to fight my mom, you had to be pretty good if you were going to go toe-to-toe with her. So by the time I was kind of an adult, I was pretty sophisticated. (laughs) Terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't know any other way. Um, And so I think that was probably more consciously lonely uh, but but you accept it and it's your normal. And then as you start to get a little bit older, uh, that that awareness that oh oh it's okay it's Dawn she's good oh it's all right she can handle anything. And whilst that's true, and you will probably align with this, whilst it's true that you are formidable and I am formidable and we will survive regardless as to the circumstance that we're put in. It's fucking lonely. And then what we do is we then measure how much somebody loves us by how lonely they f- we feel. Mm. But what I've learned is I create that lonely space by that's fine. I've got it. I'll do it myself. I'm all right. I'm good. Mm. And what we really want is for someone to come in. I can literally tell you, outside of my family, like my, my, my husband and my children, let's just park those. I can literally tell you on one hand um, that w- when somebody has just stepped in and done something and it, it makes me cry, it, mm-hmm. it, like and my friend Louisa, she used to work for me. She was my operations manager. And I can remember when she first started working for me, saying, "No, no, you you don't have to do all of that. I'll that I'll do that." And it 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 took me to tears because it was so rare for somebody who didn't owe me anything. Let's let's. I know we're friends and we love it. You know, she's a great girl, but just like she's not my husband. She's not my ch- like she's not my actual family. For somebody to actually like touch me on the arm and go no 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 let me let me do that for you um and and I've got a couple of examples of of those things and it makes me cry mm. because it happens so rarely but it's my fault that it happens rarely now whilst from kind of outside uh relationships that's fine where the impact has been the biggest is in my marriage. Mm. 
Now, I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now, I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now, and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners. And it really means a lot when you all share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback. And I love that you love it as much as we do. Now, my mission for the Inspired by Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So I have a favor to ask. Can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message? Maybe there's a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story. If you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone, then I'd really appreciate it. So if you haven't already, share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know would benefit. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, that was going to be my actual first question, because I think when it comes down this track, there's, you know, you can only be so strong and so much in an armor. Like there's an element of marriage relationships, even kids to some extent where you're Mm -hmm. like, actually, I do need to be vulnerable and let you in a little bit. Mm -hmm. I need to receive Mm -hmm. love from Mm -hmm. from you because that's what being in a relationship is like. So how did you then start to untangle this this image of you being strong and being like, "Okay, Dawn, it's (laughs) it's safe to let the guard down. Interestingly, never had a problem. I've never, I talk about this in my book actually, and I'm really honest about it that I don't know where it came from. Somewhere where I was little, I made a promise to myself not to lose faith in mankind. I don't know why, but I protect myself against bitterness and resentment and putting up walls that pushes love away as much as possible. So if I love you, I'm going to love you. And I won't feel fear, fearful of doing that. But again, I made friends with fear a million years ago. I don't get scared. You can't hurt me. I can only hurt me. So if I love you and you reject me, I'm just get, like, that. it's okay for me to still love you. Um, and so what happened, right? So me and my husband met a million years ago, obviously. And um, he's as strong as a man as you're ever going to get in terms of confidence. And gave me a run for my money, which I wasn't used to. So. <laughs> it's quite attractive, really. <laughs> well, he, he literally, when he picked me up the first night and we went for a drink, we were been in the car about 10 minutes. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, if you're boring, I'm going to take you home. <laughs> so obviously, one wasn't boring. <laughs> Soon bloody showed him, right? <laughs> I love that. But can you imagine? It's like, oh, hello. Yeah. Um, but the, the what happened then is I actually fell in love with him quite quickly. But he'd been used to women falling at his feet. So what I ended up doing was, and when I love someone, I give. I'm a nurturer. Mm. And I go into my feminine, I suppose, on that side. Uh, and he took that for granted because obviously that's what lots of girls have done for him because he's hot, right? <laughs> so it's just <laughs> as simple as that. But it was where it went a bit tits up for us, I think. Actually, it was a really big deal for me to mm. to express myself because I didn't fall in love with people. It wasn't that I was fearful of it. I just hadn't. So when I did, I was like gooey and yeah, you know, Um <laughs> And then he took that for granted as the norm. Why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. But it was a really big deal for me to do that. It wasn't till kind of later on down the line within our marriage 
and his mom was a is well she's passed away now but his mom she had 10 children she was the matriarch of this i mean by the time she died she'd got great 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 grandchildren like she, can you imagine how large his family she was a real matriarch so the love rules that he had so a mother to him was a formidable a formidable strong woman that did everything mm. because his mom was like that um and he took it for granted. And then people like me get pissed off with that eventually. <laughs> but actually, I'd I'd contributed. You, you know, I'd picked a man who doesn't waver lines, who doesn't like change. He's very dum, dum, dum. Mm. You can't then change the terms and conditions after 10 or 12 years. Like, they don't know what that means. <laughs> it's like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Like, what you took, like, he literally says to me to this day, half the time I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and so then I became, there was a period of time in our marriage. Oh God, this was a long time ago. I can't even remember. So my youngest is 22. It was before they were born. <laughs> Um, where where I then became really needy and it had been combined with the period me and mum had fallen out and that had been disconnected and and I, 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 I became, it's probably the most vulnerable I've ever been. I was this needy, somebody love me please and, and then went down, the, I'm really grateful for this though, went down this spiral of measuring love on a whole different platform if if he loved me, he would know to just do this, this, and this. If he loved me, he would he would just get it. If he loved me, he would. Well, I I don't think there's a girl in the world that hasn't had mm -hmm. <laughs> some version yep. of that conversation mm. with themselves. Of course, yeah. Um, and that broke me more than anything else that I've ever been through. Ever, uh, I think almost there. I'm going to use the word arrogance, but that's not where it comes from. I think knowing my worth and having that experience in life for so many years, and then all of a sudden it occurring to me that I'm not having that experience, <laughs> but now I'm knee deep in love with this man, you know. Um, yeah, they, they were bad years mm -hmm. and dark times for me. And it was combined with particular uh, distress and uh, more trauma with my family. Um, so that I think the combination of those things where I was completely disconnected from my family and then I become like this needy version of myself that I've never kn known before. Mm -hmm. I'd never met her before I'd never experienced her before um but of course of course I went and married I don't know anybody is as confident and selfish but not in a bad way as my like he <laughs> that does not penetrate him at all it's like and and that, that honestly, that broke me. Mm. And for a while there, uh, it was a new experience, this vulnerability on an emotional level. The first time I'd questioned my worth, uh, I didn't do a very good job, actually. 
um, and it's only sort of after you come out of that that you realised it was all about I, like he wasn't doing anything. It was me. Mm. Um, equally, it shows you you can't do something like that to someone like me who has already got this pattern of self independent. Like I don't need anybody else. Mm. And then once again, it was proven to me. Actually, you got to help yourself. Mm. And 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 so we went, we flipped then, and then it was just as bad because then I went into warrior mode. I'm good. I can sort myself out. Mm -hmm. So that didn't work. It, you know. So we've had some interesting times in our marriage. Yeah. But you know, uh, he is the love of my life, and I am the love of his life, mm. and. Um, we have amazing fights, but like we have amazing everything else as well. So that's okay. <laughs> We're really good at fighting. <laughs> I'm so glad you've said that. You know, I used to think me and my partner were like just, you know, everyone says, oh, oh I haven't argued with my partner. And no, I mean, I what the actual fuck is that? Like having an argument by text? No, you got to get sweaty. <laughs> You got to take your top off. You got to swear. Yeah. You got to shout. Passion. It's like, can we have some energy? And yeah. if we're gonna conviction, can we have yeah. some conviction? Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I remember Cedric and I have been. We've been together seven years, and we are a very fiery couple. Actually, no correction. He's not that fiery, but I think I bring out the fire in him okay. with our arguments. But I, I love the fact that you mentioned on that you were going on this journey, as as I have as well. And it's funny because we've had a very very different backgrounds, but very similar upbringing is, and similar challenges and similar underlying thoughts. You know, you mentioned loneliness there. And I think it is hard when you start to let someone in, when you've been so trained to be, I don't want to be alone, or I'm always going to be alone, I need to protect myself, I can't rely on anybody else. Like you said, you then went through this whole different journey of, I'm now learning all of this new, new stuff. How did you find that then balance of not needing to go to one extreme, or the other extreme and finding this like middle pathway or like this is the this is the right that took a long time uh, so we did do the extremes <laughs> we literally did and um do you know what we came down to masculinity and femininity mm. that's what saved I, I we'd have probably never left each other anyway but let's say uh, that that is why I have the relationship that I have now because I think what happens is, and this is where men fuck up and this is where women fuck up. Mm -hmm. So if a woman, if a woman takes over too much, her feminine energy reduces. I'm going to give a short version, I guess. And it has an impact on how you see the masculine and this is for same sex relationships as well so there's always a masculine and feminine so it doesn't have to be man woman um and if we take over too much actually we become less attractive to, if you're a naturally feminine and and your partners are naturally masculine and then you take over too much and you diminish that masculinity in a masculine person just by you, I will protect myself. I will look after myself. I will provide for myself. That energy, you actually become less attractive to that person and vice versa. Mm. And there's almost a chemical, you know, you always start to rebuke each other mm. <laughs> because, because energetically, that's not a match anymore. Mm. 
and that's just nature. Um, and the unfortunate, it's not unfortunate. The truth is that no matter how much you're rocking it in the work environment, how much you dominate in whatever other worlds that you're in, when it comes to your personal relationship, you, you, you should be submissive to a masculine energy if you're feminine. Now, I would like to prefix that with regards to um, let's exclude toxic situations. Let's just, for the purpose of this, mm -hmm. take for granted we're not talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm talking about the natural ebb and flow, the natural rhythm of of a of a an intimate relationship. Um, it's a bit like a magnet. You have the positive and the negative. Mm -hmm. It's the same in with with human beings. You know, mm -hmm. you have to have a masculine and a feminine. The masculine is more dominant. The feminine is more subservient. We we nurture, we create, mm. and 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 so you have to step into that in order to. And what really pisses me off, Chloe, and I'd really love your mm. take on this. I know that you're a lot. How old are you? Thirty-two. Okay, so yeah. oh bloody hell! It's like <laughs> I'm nearer sixty than anything else. Those. So in a few years. <laughs> Let's revisit this yeah. conversation. But um, I'm not having it that a strong female is an alpha male. And let me tell you why. Mm -hmm. Let's get a mother that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That woman runs that household. You could put her in charge of the country. She can budget mm -hmm. and target and organize. And she knows every inch of every detail of every cupboard, every inch of her flooring, the whole lot, mm -hmm. very organized. She manages shopping, money, you know, well, just everything, absolutely everything, and raises children at the same time. Mm -hmm. That if you put the equivalent of those skill sets into the boardroom as a female, you're called alpha. Mm. And yet we've been doing it for millions of years in the house. Mm. So I'm not having it that those skill sets are not mm. feminine. And then try and mess with that woman's children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fierce. Mm. Fierce. I always see it. I used to always joke with my friends that I often feel like a lioness sometimes when I'm protecting people I care about. That is a great example. Yeah. And you're right, though. I, I totally agree, actually, because I think there is so much, uh, I wouldn't say negativity, but judgment on women. No, no, women. it is negativity. Yeah. And feminists, hardline feminists, get on my nerves. Mm. And I would really love a good hard debate with one. Uh, I also, I sometimes just think, do they need some good sex? <laughs> Do, do, yeah, because my like you can't you can't you can't deny that I am fully empowering of females actually of, of, of human beings of men as well that I'm clearly a strong capable female mm. uh, so there's nothing wishy-washy about that mm. absolutely would strip naked and parade through the streets for equality for anybody um, but those women do not represent me. Mm. In fact, you get on my nerves. You don't just not represent me. You're making it worse. Mm. You're making it worse. And it really annoys me quite significantly. Mm. I find it really interesting, Dawn, though, because you've, 
you are very strong and empowered, as you described, and you would stand up for anyone that you, anything, any, any, anything anybody, you believed yeah. in, unless you're a twat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and don't I'm going to leave you to it. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> but gender, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, it really it, doesn't race, matter. Race, background, no, religion. It make a difference. That's one of the reasons why I, I know we gel because we have very strong opinions and we're very similar mm. in character. Mm. But one of the things I find fascinating, Dawn, is that you. You're, you're not afraid to do what you want and to do what you believe in. Now, you we're talking about masculine, feminine, we're talking about male, female in many different categories. When you, you know, you're in your career at the minute, in your mm-hmm. business journey, you are one of the few females in your industry. So for anyone that, you know, hasn't come across you before, you are known in the martial arts industry. So how, how did you find that being one of the few women and also, albeit very successful in that industry, probably successful than a lot of the men in the industry. How did you find that dynamic? I was raised by my mother with the audaciousness of a magnificent (laughs) woman. My mum raised us that being female was the best of both worlds. It wasn't a negative, it was a positive. Mm. You had more of an advantage. Isn't that interesting that how you're raised, bear in mind I was born in the 60s, so was raised through the 70s and, you know, in, a, in an era where equality was not... My mum's generation were the first generation of women mm. to even think about really uh, having a job and raising children at mm. the same time, you know. And certainly equal pay and all of that, no. Um, but my mum raised us, me and my sister, that being female was, was, was a positive. Now, because she was really good at manipulation, right? <laughs> Like she was world-class manipulator and she was drop-dead gorgeous. You're raised by by this woman who could beguile anybody and anything. Combined with the, like my mum could give you a masterclass in negotiation, sales, Mm -hmm. business. Like she could sell sand to an Arab, right? I mean, it's no surprise that both my sister and I run our own businesses and we'll always make money because we can, we've been able to sell since we've been able to walk, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so we weren't raised to see, it didn't occur to me mm. that being a fit. In fact, the, what occurred to me was at the time where my journey in martial arts was, I don't train, I don't, I don't, that it's, I'm on the, you know, mm. I provide services to them. Um, and all I could see were these old boy network types. Uh, they were all martial artists. They were all men. And they were doing a shit job of supporting other instructors. So to me, the recipe that was, which was male and trained, was a disqualification for doing a good job. Because clearly you're not doing a good job. They were doing a good job of running their organization, but they were treating instructors like shit and weren't supporting them. So therefore being... A woman who didn't train, obviously that qualified me. <laughs> like, obviously, it made p- perfect sense to me at the time. Like, <laughs> I love that. And um, and so, again, and this is where mindset, Chloe, do you know, do you know, do you know what I would love? I would love people if to just sit back, accept love, like accept love and just know that you're enough and do what you feel like doing. Mm. And everything 
is a mindset thing. So your obvious question, which is 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 a common one, right? It's I can see why it's asked. Your the obvious question to somebody from the outside is how the hell does a female who doesn't do any exercise end up being in a leadership position of a male industry and doesn't get any shit from them? And the answer to that is I never expected any shit. Mm. So when I talk to women, I don't want to hear about men. That's not to say that, you know, patriarch didn't exist. Of course it did. And the, all of that, nobody's disputing that. Okay, we know. And I've been that, like, I've, uh, like, obviously I was raised in the 80s. Like, <laughs> equality wasn't always a thing. Mm. So I'm not disputing any of that. But if you walk into a room expecting it, you're going to get it. Mm. And if you do that for 15 years and then you hold yourself back by beliefs that are like, I can't do that because I won't be taken seriously. Actually, the truth is you're not taking yourself seriously. I can't do that because men won't support me. Actually, you're letting yourself down. You're not not being supported. And it absolutely starts... With a simple sentence, I qualified myself as a female. Mm. And I made that decision. I mean, it felt reasonable to me. And I didn't question it. Mm. And it wasn't till much later. I mean, I actually did it to piss the old boy network off because they were doing a shit job. Like it literally was the reason. Mm. So imagine if more people looked at it like that. I wonder what could happen. Mm. And, but of course, what also happens, circling back to when we were talking in the beginning, I then get the, well, it's okay for you because it's you. No, no, no. Mm. I, I contributed to that mm. by having faith in myself. And albeit that faith, that faith came from a real dark set of adversity and trauma. <laughs> trauma, albeit it came from that. Let's flip. Let's flip that story and be okay anyway. Don't let that define you. Yeah. No. Yeah, I love it, Dawn. And I remember one of the reasons we, we've been recently talking is because of you're taking a new direction with your story. And one of the things I loved when we first caught up about your story was you said to me, I don't want to have this rags to riches stuff. It's not like a poor Dawn and now successful Dawn. It's always just this development. And you're now embarking on a very new, exciting journey. So tell tell me about this new vision that you have and this new, in your words, crazy idea that you came across not that long ago. So... um. So I, I think everybody has, I'm going to, I'm calling this the art of my heart. That's my official sentence. And everybody has a version of that in them. Mm. Mine happens to, my expression happens to be through the written word. That's what I like to do. Mm. Probably started a book 25 million times in my life and it never, but I'm really relaxed about it. It's like, oh, when it's right, it'll happen. Mum died uh, uh, a couple of Christmases ago. <clears throat> And then H's mum died and we've lost some other people in the family and my mentor died. And it's like, we went through this, like we've lost, we lost some really close people. Boom, 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 one after the other. And 
there was something about the timing of that with where I was in my head. And I think, you know, when you get into your 50s, you become more reflective. Um, you become more aware of your mortality. Then people start dying around like, okay. Um, and I just started writing my book and it just carried on. And, but what I did, I, I'm really passionate about normal human beings having an amazing life. And I'm really upset at how much hopelessness you see just because of they're not brave enough to be brave because their relationship with themselves and fear is so significant that it stops them putting one step in front of the other. So I thought, right, okay, <clears throat> I will get an editor because I cl clearly need some help. We, I, I didn't want a structure. He wrote one. He wrote a really good one, by the way. Threw that out the window. Let's write a book word by word, sentence by sentence. Don't even know what, the, and I wouldn't know what the next chapter was until I'd finished the first one. And then you'd have to go back a couple of chapters and make it all sync. Mm. Let me just see what my heart pours out with no structure. Let's do it purely intuitively, purely instinctively. And before I'd written, I can't remember if I was on chapter one or chapter two. Suffice to say, not very fine to the book right? I don't even think I've done the introduction. Um, I secured a five-year speaking deal uh, on stage to launch the book. And again, in my head at the time, it was like, hey, this is a great idea. Who gets to launch their book on a big, massive stage, talking in front of loads of people, da 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 da, -da right? Let's do that, shall we? <laughs> it felt perfectly reasonable to do. Mm. <clears throat> Actually, there's a lot more to it. And it's like, oh, you've really done it this time, Dawn. But let me tell you why it's important, Chloe. If I can put myself in the most public, uncertain, challenging situation and put my money where my mouth is and show and demonstrate how possible it is that anything could possibly happen. Let me take the risk. Mm. Let me, I'll do it myself. I'll tell you what, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and, and let me, let me take that risk and, and, and let me invite you just to watch. Mm. You don't have to buy anything from me. I haven't got a course to sell. I'd really like you to buy my book, OBS, but it doesn't matter if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> But people buying the book wasn't necessarily there. That wasn't where the passion came from. The passion came from putting my money where my mouth is. Because if, mm. as annoying as I am, I try not to be a hypocrite. Mm. And I'm a bit bored of people standing on the stage, you know, the rags to riches thing. Um, which I have. I was homeless with two babies and three black bags. I was. Women's Aid Hostel. I was proper fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, you know. <clears throat> but I'm really bored of this rags to riches story with a course to sell at the end of it. Now, I've got to have a level of professionalism there. I, I, 
you know, there are great courses out there and all the rest of it. For me, though, when people overconsume and overbuy on that stuff and then it doesn't change their life, it's because they haven't done this bit first. So let me do this bit first where there's no agenda, where it's just a human experiment, where it's human to human. Let's just do the right thing, mm. even though there's no evidence. And this is the recipe of my entire life there is zero evidence in front of me that it's a good idea other than <laughs> me fancying doing it yeah and if you can when we observe like multi multi-billionaires doing it there's obviously a disconnection because when you live a relatively normal life you can't put yourself in that situation. So I think whilst they're inspiring, I don't know, I don't know how, how much it makes people connect with themselves. Mm. And one of the things with the book, it's not a memoir, the sprinklings of context, obviously, you've got to tell people where you get your ramblings from. But what was very apparent was, my story is your story, is that sto their story and their story. And it actually, the details don't matter. Mm. The details don't matter. And where it starts with is connecting with yourself. So I guess my book is about self-validation. That's probably the non-sexy sentence. I'll come up with a much better se <laughs> sentence than that. But it's about self-validation and connection with self mm. because you are not going to be able to connect with with the world unless you have that connection with yourself first and that takes a bit of bravery so just a bit of bravery i mean you have gone on like quite a challenge dawn and i, I love it because you're going all you know the only person i've got to no evidence the only person i've got is is myself and i'm there rooting for you i'm like in the, i'm your cheerleader in the on, the on the sidelines because i think it's such a powerful thing as you know i publish books for a living and i i come across so many stories and so many books and when we first spoke and you told me about this this human experiment as yeah, you were calling yeah. it i was like oh my god sign me up like it sounds so interesting because i think a lot of people are scared to take a leap privately, you know, oh, I don't want to try that. I don't want to start that business or I don't want to quit that job or I don't want to start this new challenge. What if I fail? Whereas you're kind of going, take the armor off. I'm going to do it on a stage and I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And if that can inspire somebody to like, come on, girl, you, or, or, or guy, you can do a Facebook live. I've just, <laughs> <laughs> you can now. Come on. <laughs> chop, chop. Chop, chop. Um, and, <laughs> and I'll be, really transparent uh, there have been a couple of times especially recently where I've gone oh fuck like okay this yeah it probably was a good idea but this is a little bit more serious than your normal good idea it's <laughs> like yeah. uh, I think Mo Gordit's on the stage and Fern Cotton's on, like oh hello I, I'd rather not fall flat on my face <laughs> in front of them yeah. that would be marvelous yeah. um but but yeah and and even emotionally you know this is a new space for me i think i went so deeply into oh chloe do you know what the downside of people like me and you when we're older and we've had a million kids and, and all the rest of it is the weight of responsibility gets heavy. 
Mm. And I think when my joy has come from writing the book is relinquishing all responsibility of making money or success or it's got to pay a bill or it's literally for the pure joy of it. It has absolutely no impact other than me making myself look like an absolute twat if I don't, <laughs> if I fuck it up, but I'm not going to fuck it up. Do you know what happened? I wrote this book purely for the joy of it and it's a great book and how interesting that we we spend all this time consuming content and researching and structuring like five pillars to bum 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 bum. And whilst all of that stuff is true, it turns out that I'm right because I usually am, for the record. <laughs> that my book was written word by word, purely instinctively, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And it had an introduction, a middle, a, a beginning, a middle and a conclusive end mm. all by itself without any halabala, without any over. But to do that, I think I went so deeply into a creative space and complete wild abandonment of any responsibility, which I have a lot of weight now with. The, I, I'd love just to have no responsibility. <laughs> I'm really tired now. I'm, sorry, I'm really tired. Um, so to remove the weight of the responsibility and write the book purely creatively was a real gift mm -hmm. to myself. Um, and the biggest challenge that I'm having now is, well, now I've got to write a bloody speech <laughs> and then I've got to practice it and then I've got to package it and I've got to have sentences. Now I've got to make the responsible sense. And, and I, it was such a creative thing for me that it's quite hard to, mm. to you know, flip back, flip back into responsible mode. Mm. So, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's the title of the book? So there's going to be five books. I'm going to do one a year. Mm -hmm. uh, the series of the books is called The Glory of Being Ordinary. And book one is called Indomitable Spirit. Love it. That's fantastic. And I think it just so, from what I know of you, Dawn, it so wraps up everything I know about your energy, everything I've seen <laughs> so far. And it's just been amazing, amazing to watch you experience that. Now, what I often find when people go through some sort of new journey or transformation, especially when it starts taking the armor off and being a bit more vulnerable, sometimes the people who know us in a certain light almost get a bit confused. Like, Chloe's lost a mind or, you know, that doesn't seem like the Chloe I know. How have people around you, whether it's family or clients or anyone, friends, anyone, how have they dealt with this new journey that you're going on? The, 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 the oh, I don't respect any boundaries still with my children. Like, obviously, like I am who I am and mm. I do what I do. But I think when they see some of the more public stuff that I do, they don't recognize me so much. Mm. It's like anxiety, for example, they weren't allowed. I don't, I'm not allowed to be like that. That There are the, those kind of warrior rules. My husband is a general of all generals, like he is a general. That's a very mm. good way of describing his persona. So we don't do that. 
naturally so our children don't do it they weren't raised with that option so when they watch me having a nice chat about anxiety they're like who is this woman we'd have got a good idea <laughs> um so I mean I can remember when I first started on the sort of personal development thing it was I I went down the Tony Robbins like my family thought I joined a cult <laughs> Because I was being really kind <laughs> and soft. <laughs> um, do you know what, though? Um, and I've written about this in the book. If you thought, if you think that I'm scary when I'm cross and in my powers, you might recognize it. That is nothing to when you stand in the power of yourself and love. Mm. It... it Doing that is the biggest gift anybody could do. If you could be brave enough to connect with yourself enough, to love yourself enough and fight the world in love, mm. in kindness. Now, that doesn't mean to say that people get, like, I metaphorically still put on my boots and get in my car. Like, obviously. And this is the bit that I don't think people, I think they, they see it as weakness. But if you're connected to yourself, it's a it's a much bigger because when you're fighting in from from you know from a defensive place, from a place of protection, that's still vulnerable mm. because you're defending yourself. When you get to the point where you don't have to defend yourself and you can stand very firmly in the name of love for yourself first, mm. that's where the power is. That's where it is. Yeah. And I didn't know that for a long time. Mm. I don't think a lot of people do know that, though. I think a lot of people see the word power or power. I mean, we keep going like this, you know, this is what we keep thinking. We do, we do. Because that's what we think power is. But sometimes the power is in the subtlety. It's in the almost selfishness. It's in the, it's in the you know, tuning in and being really raw and real. And I think that's why, one of the reasons, Dawn, I'm so excited for this five-year journey. Like, I'm here <laughs> with you, and I'm there. Like, I cannot wait to see where this goes and, and just see how you how you grow and you how you develop because so much can happen in, in five years. And, you know, people go on a journey writing one book. It's therapeutic almost for a lot of people in that journey. What's the ultimate vision for this next five years? Like, where would you love to be at the end of the five years? And you've you've published all these five books. I'd like to um, do several things. Uh, I would like to redefine uh, feminism. Like, I would really like to redefine that. Absolutely uh, mortified that the chivalry and the confidence that men have or are having wobbles over about stepping into their self-worth and connecting with themselves. I'm absolutely gutted that that doesn't, that, 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 it, that to get our equality as females is impacting that because we complement each other. So I'd like to redefine feminism, please. Happy for you to help me with that one. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we can... Uh, give me, let's put a year on it. We'll sort that out very quickly. <laughs> let's clean that cupboard out. <laughs> so I would like to do that. Um, I would... I would like... Uh, 
oh, why have I got emotional? Because <laughs> I don't know the answer, but clearly I do because I've just got emotional. I don't want people to feel as lonely. You don't have to be lonely. God, Chloe, bloody hell. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea why that's made me emotional. I think, I think as you get older, the, the battle, we, the, you know, the, the battle scars of the weight start to clearly, <laughs> this is why you get hormonal at my age, <laughs> because it makes it, it's a good thing, it, like, let's get it all out on the table. Um, I think the the battle scars start to jip you a little bit and there's another way and if I can impact anybody even if it's just in my circle so that they don't feel lonely and they can save themselves some of that weight mm. then that would make me happy. Oh, that's so beautiful, Dawn. And I'm I'm getting emotional even just chatting to you about it. I think it is it's such a beautiful mission that you're on. I really do yeah. mean that. And I, I'm excited to see where it will go, not just for you, but for your readers, for your audience, because I do believe that they need more people like that. I really resonate with the feeling of loneliness and I, I won't go into that here, but you know, no doubt we'll chat about it separately. But loneliness is something that so many people feel and they don't feel like they have a way to reach out to someone we you know nobody wants to say I feel lonely or I am alone two very different things but people can often feel that and I think it's really amazing to see a lot of people will be listening or watching this seeing someone who comes across as very strong and powerful and empowered and yet still want to they might think oh I'd love to have Dawn's strength or I'd love to have Dawn's courage but you know, showing this part of you is exactly why the show exists because we all need a place where we can be honest and say, look, this is this is why I want to help people and it's it's mm. so beautiful. And I think I think for the answer to not be the version of power that you see externally mm. and for the answer to actually be this version of love of self and connection to self, that's actually the answer to that power mm. like I took the hardest route I, I took the hard route <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah it's only taken me over 50 years to fucking find that out thanks for helping like... me get there <laughs> there we go job done mission accomplished <laughs> yeah oh dear it, it can be hard though and that, that's the thing I think you're totally right because some people I'm very fortunate that a young at a young age I've been exposed to personal development mm. you know I, I know people that don't even get to it when that they're my age now and I think mm. sometimes people always say to me well how did you achieve so much so young and I'm like because I felt the pain fucking young like yeah. you know yeah. it wasn't like I've got it like quicker I just started the pain earlier yeah. and I think sometimes there is things that make us strong and there are yeah. things that actually make us stronger by being honest and raw and vulnerable yes. and, and more because of us it's not a weakness not at all you know there isn't any human being that has crossed my path that in any way could describe me as weak mm. ever and you can't have me over because I'm coming for you. <laughs> but I can still cry about it yeah. if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> That's not weak. Yeah. That's called being human. Mm, it's not it. bullshit. It's authentic. Yeah. And it's being okay with that. 
And I think if more people realised that there was... Do you know, I talk... I talk on one of the chapters in the book, I actually say some really ugly sentences about myself in terms of, you know, uh, my, you know, where I can, I was raised by this woman that was, she would like, she was a significant, formidable person. So I know the rules, right? Mm. Um, I just don't choose to do it sometimes, but I can go there. And I actually go through this in the book where I'm deliberately ugly about my ugly side. Mm. And there, you know, there have been years within raising my children and my marriage where I have been awful. I've been the worst version of myself. Um, and then as I look back, those pots of ugliness come from being unhappy with myself at the time. Mm. But actually in the book, the reason why I'm so honest about my ugliness, and then I ask the readers the question, do you like me any more or less? Because if you don't and you resonate with it, maybe that would give you confidence. I'm not expecting everybody to go public with anything. Like, you know, I'm not, you don't have to be dramatic. Mm. But even that connection with yourself, like make friends with yourself warts and all and recognize that the times where your ugly your ugliness does you know spout out a little bit it something's off kilt something's not making you have something's off mm. internally um so it just kind of guides people down that I, I i i take that journey i take the risk i take the risk of you reading something going okay I even say to them, you can put me on the shelf if you if you don't, and I still love you. Like, do you know, it's like, um, and so it's okay to, it's okay to be authentic. Mm, yeah. What really pisses me off, you're on social media a lot. You're probably much better at it than me. You know, people who are deliberately controversial and deliberately, you know, mm. or deliberately emotional or, and it's so bloody obvious that it's an algorithm. It's for the algorithms. Mm -hmm. And it gets me really cross. Yeah. Because we, we're in this society, in this rhythm of talking about authenticity and then doing <laughs> the opposite. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. It, and it drives me mad. It does. Especially because part of my brand is helping people be authentic and be, take the mask of off. Course. And with writing books, helping people get in the media, especially with what sells. Yeah. A lot of people will, will dig into that and spin it. And uh, my history of having severe depression, I'm, I, I actually struggle to look at any social media on World Mental Health Awareness Day or anything to do with that because the shit I see of people saying, oh, well, this is, you know, this is for everyone who's experienced depression. This is for everyone who has challenged mental health. And I remember once, Dawn, funny story. I'm not sure I've said it on the show before. I had had a really big wobble one night or one week and I woke up and my eyes were so puffy. I'd been crying for days and I was already quite doing my social media. So I was already quite following. I was doing lives and stuff. I woke up and I just scrolled and it was um, Mental Health Awareness Day. And everyone was posting all this fluffy shit about, you know, this is why we need to support people through depression and everything. And I just got my camera 
I had no makeup on and I did a Facebook Live and I was like, you all think you know what depression is like. This is what it was like. Mm. And I was, oh my God, I cringed. But it did really bloody well. The video did so well. Because, because it was real. Exactly. And my pet peeve, and I have said this on the show many times, is people that video themselves crying, take photos of themselves crying, all for show. You know, yeah. and, and I'm not criticizing people that genuinely are struggling. Like, be honest, be raw, take acknowledge it. But you don't need to do it by taking a photo of yourself or videoing yourself crying. What's your relationship with the word depression now? Have you kind of, have you made friend? are you friends with Mrs. Depression in mm. Chloe? Yeah, I love that question. So <laughs> I love this is turn. This is fantastic. <laughs> Let's keep this going. Um, so I actually had a really weird relationship before. And only recently have I started changing my language because I used to say my depression over and over and over. And if you look through any of my old recordings, I've recently re-recorded my book. And I, I, as I was recording it, I noticed how many times I'd written my depression and how much I'd made it a part of my identity. And now depression was a part of me, but it's not mine. I don't own it and it doesn't own me. It's there, it's like a hunger. Like, you know, when you're hungry, if I'm hungry, then I eat. If I don't eat, I'm gonna get hungry. Same thing, my eating or my hunger is just depression. If I don't look after myself, the depression will come back. If I do, it will go away. And that's just, it, it, I don't feel anything anymore. I don't feel, uh, I'm not embarrassed so not by it. Yeah, it isn't, it isn't part. And I think this is where people like me come across wrongly. Mm. And actually I'm probably quite <clears throat> pleased to kind of expand on this a little bit. A sentence that I will say that I know is misconstrued and I absolutely don't mean it in the manner in which it comes out my mouth, but I do mean it at the same time, but the feeling in my heart's different to the words. So when we are sad, depressed or happy, like any emotion, let's remove the word depression, whatever story that keeps going round in our head, if we keep telling ourselves the same story, for whatever emotion. So there are people who are in love and they're deluded. There are people that try and force themselves to be happy all the time. There are also people that are depressed. And it is an indulgence in the sentences. Mm. I need to prefix that I don't mean that to come out as harshly as it sounds because the feeling in my heart actually is really compassionate. Mm. But I can see where if you've got kind of, you know, two camps, you've got people who are like, let me stroke your arm and tell you, oh, it's okay, you're sad, and da 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 And then you seem to have this side that were like, pull your socks up, get a grip, soldier mm -hmm. on, you know. And somewhere in the middle of that, you know, I think I think when people, I, what, let, I, I'd really like to remove the word depression and just use emotion, whatever emotion it is. If, if it's something that it's based on inner talk, inner beliefs, regardless as to where they've come from, and we we keep that alive, we will always be connected to it and it will always be part of your, part of our definition. Mine is the word victim, but I do the opposite. I reject, like mm. I practically rebuke it in the name of Jesus, like literally, um, that doesn't mean to say that I'm not a victim sometimes, but I wouldn't accept it mm. in my head. I, I'm, I'm out, I'm out, mm. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And when I look back in, when I look back, I probably had 
quite significant depressions several times in my life. But again, the way I position it is they were my ugly years where I lashed out and I cried and I, you know, I couldn't function as well. I wasn't making great decisions. I wasn't looking after myself physically or emotionally. Mm. Um, so I think we all have it. But I absolutely love that you have managed to crack the nut of it not defining you as yours and you and it being because it's part of all of us we're all sad sometimes and if we keep those stories alive for long enough it can it can you know it can spiral downwards um but i can see why people think i'm a hard ass over it Mm. Uh, and i probably am yeah because again if we were to strip it right back God, I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered for saying this sentence. Putting aside extreme, again, extreme chemical, you know, if there's a chemical imbalance in this and all the rest of it, putting that aside, and obviously I don't know whether that is your yeah. journey, and I'm presuming it is, but putting that aside, um, I probably am a hard ass about it. Mm. And if you strip it back far enough, you're not happy with something, mm-hmm. and it's a disconnection. It's an internal disconnection mm. and you can manage that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a qualified drug person or chemical person. Mm. So, um, and I don't know, I know a couple of people actually that have been chemically depressed. There's a difference mm. in the diagnosis, yeah. isn't there? And I know that that's a different beast. So I have to step away from that conversation because I don't know enough about it. Um, interesting as well. It's like one of my children is Asperger's and you would never know it because we did the opposite. Mm. Another one of my children are dyslexic, but you'd never know it because we flipped it. They weren't allowed. They were allowed, really. I'm being, I'm reducing Mm. this for, but I suppose if I was to be blunt, that is the truth. Mm. What they weren't allowed, so even you know, my child who was dyslexic and they're grown now, so it doesn't matter. But at school, from when they were at school, there wasn't the support that there is now. But even when the support came, I'm like, do not think. So you have to now read more. Mm. It's probably pretty torturous. But you know what? How how difficult is it for somebody by the time they get to senior school to come out of you know, the special need, uh, it's not a special needs class. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like called. extra support, isn't extra it? Extra support, yeah. that's probably a better way of putting it. Um, into mainstream English. Mm. I'll tell you why, because for for a year or two years, however bloody long it was, we sat down with the hundred words and we read them a hundred times every single night. Wow. That's what we did. And even if you can't read properly, that will not define you. That is no excuse mm. for you not to live your life. Mm. Um, and it, just as simple as that. I've also got an incredibly clever child who should have been my Oxford University child. Interestingly, his work ethic through education wasn't very good because he was naturally bloody clever. Mm. So he thought that he could get, no, no, no. 
No, I didn't reward. I'm do. I'm not going to reward you for what me and God gave you. You're not clever. You can't take. <laughs> you can't take any credit for the cleverness. Yeah. But you can take credit for the effort mm. and your work ethic. And just because you're clever, mm. don't think that you don't need that. So, mm. I am a little bit. I am a hard ass. Mm. There's always a way around it, and it's usually to do the opposite. Do you know what I love, Dawn, which is what I'm seeing throughout this whole interview, is it's almost like you're just binning the idea of a vi being a victim. Yeah, it's 100%. Like, like giving people labels, saying you're stuck with this. Like you're not necessarily defined by the card you're dealt. And I think yeah. that's been the theme of the whole story. And honestly, Dawn, we have got to have you back again for <laughs> book two, obviously. <laughs> Maybe even see how book one goes. Obviously, we will share the links with all of our listeners and our viewers to grab the copy of your book as soon as they can. Now, Dawn, it's been amazing having you on the show. I've enjoyed it so much. Honestly, I genuinely feel like we could talk. We're going to be carrying on this co this conversation for coffee <laughs> after this. props to you. You made me cry. Go on, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people get to do that, really. We, we do say we get raw and real, and people don't normally know until they're in the room. But I really appreciate your vulnerability and your okay. honesty. Now, we have a tradition on the show where the final question I ask all our guests is about who you know that has an inspiring story that you think we should have on the show next. I have a friend. There's two people. I think from uh, in in the business world, Joel Stone would be a great one mm -hmm. for you to get on. You, we've actually just had him on. Please, oh, yeah. have you? Yeah, ah, okay. We've just had him on. So Perfect. Great, great, great minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll give you her number. I have a friend called Heather Fisher. Her nickname's Fish. She uh, is an Olympian. She's played uh, rugby uh, for the country. Uh, she's also got alopecia. And so very visually, uh, she stands out. She's come to the end of her professional sports career and obviously is going through that transition of her identity. Who is she as a, you know, somebody who was always this and now they're this. But she is phenomenal. She's a phenomenal. She was on, uh, what's the SAS program? Who dares with? Oh, yeah. SAS Who Dares with? Uh, but just look her up. Heather Fisher. Fantastic. Uh, rugby player. Oh, thank I'll you I'll give so you a much. number. She's great. That would be amazing. I would love to have a conversation yeah, with her. no problem. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for coming here and traveling all the way here. It's been amazing to speak to you and I'm really excited to watch how your journey unfolds. And thank you for having me on. No problem. Well, guys, what an episode. So, so, so worth it. And I hope you took loads and loads of golden nuggets from that. Dawn's story, her vulnerability, her honesty, and also showing that you don't always have to be strong and powerful. You can be strong by being vulnerable and authentic and honest and raw and real as well. So if you haven't already, share with us in the comments, what has been your biggest takeaway from this episode? What part of Dawn's story or what she shared has resonated with you? And if you are watching on our YouTube channel or you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on our next inspiring guests. I'm really excited to see who we've got coming up next and I'll see you next week.